Welcome to the Expansive CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Chapman, founder of Expansive CEO and X Squared Wealth Planning. Buckle in as we explore how to create true prosperity and build a business and a life that expands beyond yourself and makes a dent in the universe. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Expansive CEO Podcast. Today, I have a super interesting guest that I'm so excited to share with you. Her name is Melanie Marisol, and she was a connection uh, from a dear friend, Jennifer Lyle, who is also um, so heart-centered and and helps people connect with their higher selves. And so she met Melanie and was like, hey, you should totally meet Hannah. And um, from that connection, it was like, yes, absolutely. We should meet and keep talking and have lunch together in person and all of the things. And now here we are today on the podcast. So Melanie is a business astrologer. She's a shadow integration doula and a third generation medium helping small business owners and medium enterprise CEOs unearth the legacy impact they were born to leave behind. She also helps fellow healers and visionaries magnetize aligned abundance for their soul-led intuitive businesses. And I cannot tell you how awesome I think all of that is. So Melanie, I would love for you to introduce yourself a little bit and tell us how you got to where you are right now. Tell us a little bit about your journey. All right. Thank you for having me, Hannah. Uh, So let's see. I started off after undergrad uh, in social work, and at the time I graduated college, it was very in vogue to get a master's degree for no reason uh, and take out money that I didn't have to get a master's degree. And I thought, uh, that's very foolish of me. So um, I considered getting a master's in social work, but I thought I should get work in the field. And I got the work experience. I did that for four years. Uh, It was a very dangerous job. It was a very dirty job, to be honest. Um, And it just really was not aligned like my gifts were not meant to be on the streets of Baltimore City doing homeless outreach. Uh, so during that time, I had to really uh, develop a lot of spiritual tools that I just did not have prior to that. So it really actually forced me to really focus on what are my values? What am I really meant to be doing here? I'm not happy. So because I was in not a joy-filled place, I had to learn how to cultivate joy and pleasure no matter what was going on around me. Uh, so I had left that job after four years. I left the quote-unquote stable job with the stable income. Mm -hmm. I did not even get paid bachelor pay at that job, although they required a bachelor's degree. So, yeah, I wasn't giving up much. So um, at that time, I when I was doing social work, I had to work multiple jobs. So I worked in boutiques. And then after I left, I just committed to managing boutiques. Uh, And I really had to switch from doing uh, work with those that don't even have housing to those that have luxury um, ideals and and they like materialistic things and they like beautiful things uh, and they have uh, way more money. So it was very interesting to like work between the two worlds. Uh, and because I finally got to uh, manage this boutique that made 10 grand a month on uh, foot traffic alone, I really just learned a lot more about business and what makes a successful business going. Um, so with that job, I also had the mental space to do what I've always been interested in doing. So um, I've always been interested in the esoteric. I've always been interested in the occult. I've always been interested in astrology. 
And I learned about mythology, which is the basis of astrology, while growing up in the Greek Orthodox Church and uh, learning about the gods and goddesses at Sunday school. Does it make sense? No. <laughs> but uh, good. <laughs> if you know Greeks, they love to talk about themselves and love to talk about their heritage. So we're going to learn about it in Sunday school, uh, whether anyone likes it or not. So this has been a lifelong pursuit. Uh, so when I had left the uh, social work job, I kind of had this it's like a side hustle, if you will, uh, while I was still managing a boutique. Uh, and then I worked a series of other day jobs uh, in different industries just to get that uh, multiple perspectives when it comes to running a successful business. Uh, and then by 2020, I just like fully had committed to just mastering astrology. Mm. Uh, and I got the fundamentals really quickly. So kind of just blossomed from there. Uh, and then when it comes to business astrology, it's important to understand your own personal astrology. And then business and finance astrology is focused on mass psychology as well. So what's going on with you individually versus what's going on what's going on collectively. And that, so that is so interesting uh, to me is that difference between the personal astrology and then the business slash collective astrology, mm -hmm. right? So it's like, um, I'll relate it a little bit back to human design um, yes. since that's, you know, kind of the, uh, the system that I really just, fell in love with over the last several years and have been diving into as well. And in the last, you know, year or so, maybe in a little less than a year, I started being really curious about the planet placements because in human design, uh, astrology is a big piece of it. You know, it's it, not even not a big piece. It's integral mm -hmm. to how you understand your human design. And I recently met another woman who, um, also is very versed in astrology. And that was really the main thing that she did for a long time. And then she started learning about human design as well. Mm. And was like, oh, these, yeah, this is really interesting how these go together. Um, where the astrology is like the story of your life. Yes. And it really, and it really shows, um, yeah, like the personality traits and, and the, and the different, um, the different aspects of, of you in that like story of your life. Mm -hmm. area form. Um, and then the collective, the collective astrology, that was the other piece that was really interesting to me too, is that, um, you know, especially these long and, uh, long transit type planets, you know, Pluto, Neptune, the big, the big ones that mm -hmm. rule generations versus, you know, just one year, um, the, all of those things started really sparking my interest over this past year. So as I've been learning more and more, I have had people come into my life who are like, raise their hand, like, yeah, this is, this is what I do. Or, you know, let's talk more about that. And so I do feel like that's, that was one of those connections with Jennifer. It was like, oh yeah, you are a person that I was calling in, right. Wanting to learn more, wanting to have more um, conversation about it and explore further and just be, allow my curiosity to guide me, right. To like, what's next. And, um, so yeah, I would love to hear from your perspective, what that, what that difference really is. Cause like I said, like I have like a little bit and I'm learning and I'm, I'm, uh, super interested, but the, 
yeah, the collective versus the mm. personal. What does that look like when you are looking at that? Right. So I think what's important to understand is that astrology ultimately is the study of archetypes. It is not the study of personality types. I'll explain. The 12 zodiac signs represent the 12 archetypes that are within every human being, but each person has a unique birth chart. And so those archetypes are at varying levels within each person's birth chart. So that unique mix of those levels of the archetypes that are activated is what makes up your personality. Your personality in Psych 101 is how you react to the world around you. So that's the, that's the foundational thing that people need to understand with astrology. Um, when it comes to finance or business astrology, it's, it is true. You are paying more attention to the outer planets. So they're beyond Saturn. So you're on a Neptune Pluto. I don't care what Neil deGrasse Tyson says. Pluto is still a planet. It was discovered in 1930. Um, um, in Flagstaff, <laughs> Arizona, with the Hubble, with the uh, uh, Lowell Observatory telescope, I'll add, because I went to college in northern Arizona. And mm. so, you know, when Pluto was like, when they were taking it away, you know, it was we were we were sad about that in Flagstaff. <laughs> I, th I think it's a conspiracy <laughs> to separate humans from facts and the planetary environment because the drama is with pluto for example um despite the fact that people believe it's a planet or not uh if you look out historically throughout uh millennia when there's always a big power shift going down within every country um within every culture pluto is usually very activated it is like coming uh, around to activate uh, structures that don't work so whatever mm -hmm. is not sustainable will pluto will take it out it's the planet of regeneration death, destruction, unexpected endings. Um, and so it's a very small but mighty planet. Mm. So uh, we, we, stay on, we stay on Pluto as a planet. So with that, um, I think it's also important to understand that people don't know this, but there is a very long history of astrology in American business and, and Wall Street. So this is real life. Uh, there was an astrologer. She made her big debut in 1899. Her name was Evangeline Adams, and she was a direct descendant of John Adams, the U.S. president. I did not know that. She's part of the Adams family, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> kind of funny. Uh, so with that, she was uh, J.P. Morgan's um, astrologer, and he actually came to her after he made all his money. And his logic was, it was probably uh, a mix of novelty and curiosity, and also he wanted to retain that competitive advantage. Um, at the same time, there was this guy. He was a Texas-born farm boy. Uh, his name was William Delbert Gann, but he went by W.D. Gann. Uh, and he created the field of stock market charting, uh, what we now call technical market analysis today. And he did all this at 31 years old, at like the turn of the century, in the early 1900s. He was out here accomplishing a lot. Uh, and so his advisory letter which was talking about astroeconomics, basically, and how it affects the stock market. It sold for $3,000 annually during like pre-World War I times, right? Wow. Uh, so at the average time, uh, the weekly wage that someone was earning at that time was 15 bucks. So the fact that it went for $3,000 back then, it's amazing. Um, he made over $50 million during his lifetime, utilizing his knowledge of the outer planets and how they affect the stock market. Um, and he basically built his fortune on charting cycles and trends. And we also know that um, there were pamphlets basically distributed and sold uh, explaining trends and uh, planet cycles 
on Wall Street as far back as 1875. So when people talk about, oh, astrology is not real, I think it kind of went underground a little bit more uh, when Ronald Reagan was discovered to have had a personal astrology as well. People are like judging his ability to make decisions. What head of state has not used astrology? Uh, you know, Evangeline Adams also uh, was a advisor to uh, Wall Street hedge fund managers, all kinds of businessmen. And what I learned from reading her book, which anyone can buy, it's called The Bowl of Heaven. Uh, she explains that the businessman that came to see her would come in, they talk about business and like, what's going to go on with the stock market? And what do I need to look at? Where are the long-term cycles? But then also the men more so than the women were asking more about romance. Which mm. I thought was very interesting. They were like, but secretly, what's at the end? They'd be like, so what's my love life going to be? You know, so it's very interesting to see that that marriage of like the personal and the collective astrology together. And it's so sweet to know that men are very sensitive, even in the 1900s, when we don't have uh, as good of a, a a perspective. Yeah, no, that's that's so <laughs> that's so interesting because yeah, like you said, you wouldn't the the fact that it's like, um. I love the Ronald Reagan example because it's such a, you know, like, it's not what you expect. Um, once you <laughs> learn more about uh, Reagan and, and all of that mm. um, and his, the legacy of his president presidency and, and whatnot. Yeah. So to think that he was seeing an astrologer before like, Oh yeah, I can, that's interesting. Um, mm -hmm. Even in the, even in the sense of, being quote unquote outed for it and then <laughs> pushing it away. Right. Cause it was, right. it was counter to what his political base was expecting right. from him. Mm -hmm. So super interesting, but that, yeah, that piece of, um, you know, what, what people, you know, wanting it to be just really black and white or, you know, tell me what, tell me what it's going to be um, or kind of like a future predicting the future type thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, that has always, to me, been like, okay, so tell me what your thoughts are on that. What I understand is that it's um, showing us the cycles, like you said, like the the overall collective cycles that we could be going through. And it doesn't mean that, you know, on this day, at this time, this specific thing is going to happen. It's just that these are the influences that will be causing collective shifts um, mm. in different ways. So yeah, like tell me how correct or off base I am with that. Yeah. So there is predictive astrology. Um, it's associated with the term orary astrology. So H-O-R-A-R-Y astrology. Um, so that first word is considered, the literal translation is old astrology. Mm. Although Evangeline Adams did practice that, she was using modern astrology, and she also acknowledged Pluto, so clearly a woman ahead of her time. Uh, so with that, it is it is a thing. I guess you, you can predict things based on an individual's chart and be like, oh, I see, for example, you have a lot of Capricorn in your chart. Uh, Capricorn is the CEO, the executive of the Zodiac, the authority, the boss, um, but it's also Capricorn rules the bones and uh, the teeth especially the joints. So she could also predict, oh, depending upon what was going on in her Cap the Capricorn placement, hmm, you're actually probably going to get arthritis later on in life unless you uh, you know, eat healthy or, you know, support your body in the best way. So there that is a type of astrology. 
Um, when it comes to understanding collective energy, if you will, it's always important to know specific planets uh, throughout the year. So sometimes people ask me like, oh, how do I plan on my year? What am I even looking for? Like, it's a very vast subject, right? Right. So I think if anybody takes anything from this uh, interview here, uh, if you're going to utilize some astrology in your day-to-day or plan out your 2024, for example, um, you would look at the new and full moons, right? You get a new moon once a month, full moon once a month. New moon is about setting intentions, right? It's not shining. It's not illuminated. So what are your seeds you want to plant? Full moon. Uh, what do you need to release? Maybe your innermost self is the most visible. That's why everyone seems to go crazy during the full moon. And there's actually increased uh, ER activity during the full moon. Uh, so what do you need to release? What's holding you back? And then, you know, you prepare for the next cycle. Um, when it comes to planning launches uh, or product launches or deciding when to acquire a business, you know, check out when Mercury is in retrograde. You know, it happens around three times a year. So, you know, just be aware. Not the best time to sign contracts. You may not get all the information you need. There might be miscommunication errors since Mercury is the planet of communication. So again, you still have to live your life. So you can have a launch during Mercury retrograde. Just like give yourself enough grace and space. Um, what's going on with Venus, the planet that rules love, beauty, art, and money? Is that retrograde at all? It happens around every 18 months. So again, not the most amazing time to acquire a business or start a new endeavor Again, that, that sensual Venus Venusian mist uh, can kind of get you all excited about the possibilities, but you don't really have the full picture uh, or all the information to move forward. Um, at the time of this recording, we have Jupiter, the planet of good luck, abundance, and opportunity. It's retrograde. So uh, normally, if it was going direct, right, uh, you got all this opportunity laid out before you. It's a great time, right? If it's retrograde, it looks like it's going backwards from where we are on Earth from an astronomical perspective. So uh, maybe this is not a time to like bite off more than you can chew. So um, maybe maybe you have a lot of opportunities ahead of you. So it's a good time to review, reflect, reevaluate, and then move forward. So that's what the retrograde is about. It's a review kind of time of year. Mm, I like that. Yeah. So when it comes to something like uh, the outer planets like Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, those are considered generational planets because they take so long to get all the way around uh, the sun. So for example, Pluto stays around 30-ish years or so in one sign. Of course, there's retrograde motions as well. So I wouldn't say like, oh no, Pluto's in retrograde, so I cannot make any business mover. This is a horrible time to do wealth planning with Hannah. Like, oh, uh, if you're waiting for Pluto to not be in retrograde, like you'll be waiting for a few years. So calm down. Um, it's more important to understand again, uh, just know what's happening in the background. Know that Neptune and Uranus at the time of this recording are also in retrograde. So the planet Neptune of dreams and illusions and fantasies and uh, general artistic expression. It looks like it's going backwards. So again, this is the time to take off those rose-colored glasses and be honest about what you're doing with your life. You know, just keeping it real. Uranus, the, the planet of unpredictability um, and Again, unexpected endings, um, it's going backwards. So maybe, again, you might feel like you're taking one step forward and three steps back. So again, you might find that you're getting progress through your wealth planning goal or your business goal. But sometimes it just seems to be like these unexpected roadblocks. So instead of freaking out and assuming, oh no, it's not meant to be, I should give up, 
you can say, how can I make this a game actually? And how can I make the game of life? You know? Oh, that's so that, that piece that you just went into right there, um, is how I feel when I, so when I hear, uh, people even, you know, talking about astrology, talking about human design, um, people saying like, oh, so it's, you know, I don't like it because it's telling me Mm. what I have to be or who I am, you know, all of those things. Um, like it's like, it's, this is who you are. And so like deal with it. Um, or even people who say this is who I am. So deal with it. Right. Like Mm. that's not, (laughs) that's not what this is. Um, it (laughs) is, it is like you said, it's like revealing the energies that are around already that exist for everyone and are, you know, if you're the person who can take those setbacks and turn them into opportunity opportunities, turn it into a game, turn it into, you know, bring levity and light to these, these pieces of, you know, we need to reflect and refine, but how do we make it positive? How do we make it an opportunity? That's Mm. how you win. And I think that actually goes back to what you were talking about with JP Morgan, even Right. right. Like, so, okay, where, where is the opportunity versus, you know, this is happening. So I just have to hunker down and deal with it. Right. And and that's the thing. Someone like JP Morgan, I don't really know how amazing of a legacy left behind. I I don't, I don't really know if people view him as a philanthropist, really. Um, I don't know. (laughs) He he did what he wanted. He did what he wanted. Uh, So that kind of person though, was like, want to be retaining the competitive edge. Uh, Nothing, his energy, his natural chart, if you were to look at it, was very just like busting through it, just getting it done, grinding, like does not care. We'll mow someone down, right? So someone that's listening to this podcast is probably heart-centered and they care a lot about the collective, right? So take all that information that he would have learned and apply it in the most, um, you know, source-centered way, God-centered way, uh, most impactful way, and it'll work out great for you and yet it'll expand, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so actually some of the most cutthroat people ever happen to be, for example, have a lot of cancer activity. So John D. Rockefeller, kind of a shady dude, if you read the history about him. Um, he actually was a cancer son, very much focused on the family, very much a family guy, loved his family and everything. But the his approach to life was very much like tearing people down, right? Mm. Uh, so the type of integration he used for his business was like, I'm taking over every single aspect. I'm like, I'm going to buy out the competition, right? But ultimately, this guy who comes off as cutthroat did not like uh, surprise encounters, did not like to be like, he just want to be left alone. Actually, he's very reclusive. So it was very interesting. Like he was showing kind of the more negative aspects of this particular uh, zodiac sign. So again, just like understanding just because this person was a little shady doesn't mean that if you get more money that that you're going to turn into that. It's just not who you are. Yeah, I think that's really um a really beautiful thing to bring in to the conversation here because you're absolutely right. The people that are drawn to me and, you know, my own, um, my own heart is in helping people create more wealth for their lives, for their families, for their business, for their employees, for, um, true flow through impact. Right. And so if we Mm. are able to utilize all of the tools that are available to us to know ourselves better and to know um, to know others better, to be able to see see others more clearly for who they are as well. 
mm-hmm. then that 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 sense of looking at everything through the lens of opportunity then becomes right when we're working and this is the other piece uh it allows us to work with energies it allows us to work with our own energy and work with the collective energy rather than yes push against it and then when wealth building becomes easier and flows mm-hmm. more easily then we're able to be more abundant more prosperous and share and give and have impact and lift up the communities that each of us cares about lifting up even if that starts from lifting up your own family yeah right like like that when i have i have clients who are healing generational trauma in themselves you know they're healing they're healing up they're healing for their children you know mm-hmm. i mean it's like that is important for the collective as well right when you're when you are when you are again working with your own energy and learning more about yourself and healing in all kinds of ways whether that's for you know some of us have a a bigger broader collective lens some of us have a more tribal familial lens mm. and either way is not wrong um it just is, you know, we we need people in each of those different seats, yes. caring about those different things, right? And so this, I think this is another piece of what you're, what you're bringing in now with like, you know, knowing who you are actually helps you direct your energy more, more specifically towards what you care about. Yeah. So that's the thing. I think we live in this social media world and if you're successful, then you'll show everything off on social media. Maybe everyone's running for the same materialistic goals, but that's not really what you want to do. And maybe think people think they're not doing enough, right? Because they have all their finances handled. They Their family is thriving. They're very happy. They've got the red Corvette they've always wanted, which is great. And they're like, well, you know, I'm not making as much as insert uh Warren Buffett, so therefore I'm not as successful or something. I'm not I'm not making as much of an impact. And actually, you are actually by by you being the most self-expressed version of yourself. Um, that actually can heal things. You, it doesn't. You don't have to be making these like huge quantum leaps. That's what people expect. Not all the time, you know. So, uh, for example, uh, my partner, um, his father and stepmother are like low-key millionaires, right? Uh, they worked hard at this particular business. And my what he explains is they are helping the world heal just by being a really sweet older couple that's still in love and they're just being lovely. They're loving to their community. They're not they don't isolate in their house. They do go out and like their other community. They try to be mentors to younger people and other business owners, you know. Just because they're not on social media flashing around or they haven't got featured in Forbes doesn't mean they're not making an impact as well. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. The being loving to each other. Right. Mm-hmm. That's that's the piece. Oh, my gosh. Yes. When we when we express ourselves in the way that. Yeah, is our our specific imprint, our specific archetype mix. Um, yeah, I think that's what's so special to me about, you know, our personal astrology and our personal human design is the mm-hmm. the uniqueness that we each bring. Uh, exactly. And. Okay. So here's the other piece I wanted to talk about with you. So I have had this question a couple of times and, um, 
I'll give you my answer and then I want to hear your answer. So mm-hmm. I've had people ask, okay, so if it's based on when you're born and where you're born, mm-hmm. then if someone else is born at the exact same time in the same time zone as you, then they have the same, you know, design or the same chart. And how does that like, are we the same person? Like that seems ridiculous. And, you know, when I thought about that, I'm like, why, why would that be? ridiculous. It was my first thought. And then my second (laughs) thought was like, okay, nope, actually answer it, like answer the question. Um, And from my perspective, it's that, okay, yes, you could be born at the exact same time in the same place and have the same, you know, uh, chart placements, but your environment that you grow up in is going to then express either, you know, your expression on the high side or the low side of any of the pieces of your, of your own chart are going to vary. So if you have, mm-hmm. you know, all, we have so many different aspects to us and depending on how we grow up and the environment that we're in, um, and, you know, I don't know, are you in a military family that moved 12 times? Are you in mm-hmm. a family with entrepreneurs? Um, are you in a family where, you know, your dad is the president? Um, you know, like <laughs> right. this is all going to shift the expression of each of those aspects in mm-hmm. your chart. And so starting from the same inputs, you're, you're going to get a variation of lived experiences that will then inform how you express and show up in the world. Uh, so that was, that was my answer to that. What do you, what do you feel? Yeah. So in the book, The Bowl of Heaven by Evangeline Adams, again, uh, I'm just reffing this book here. Uh, she discusses that concept. So um, for example, in England, there was um, the king, King Edward, uh, and he was born around the same time as someone else in his village. So they have same birth time, sim- very like basically the same chart. Uh, one's a king and one is a common person. And interestingly, they did have similar lives. So similar events playing out. It was just the different scales and calibers, right? So um, this king died similarly to this child or you know, this grown man at this point. Um, they kind of still had the same personality. So both of them were like really into womanizing and generally being a hot mess. One is more visible because he's the king of England. The other is not as much. So soul twins is considered a thing. Um, and it's just very interesting that they have the same lives. So, okay, we'll bring it into the 20th century. I am born. I'm born on October 12th. Uh, so someone I'm sure was born the same time as me, despite the fact that we're, um, I was a girl and he might be a boy. So we might have similar lives playing out in that, you know, maybe he became some sort of esoteric healer. I'm an astrologer. Maybe, maybe he became a shaman, right? It's kind of within the same realm. Uh, maybe at this time I'm doing a lot of podcast interviews. Maybe he's doing a lot of podcast interviews. Maybe he's being more visible, right? So it seems like the rates of things seem to happen around the same time, the events, whatever. Uh, so that's a thing that does happen. And because we like to use and consciousness in my world. So we also incarnate on this planet, um, knowing ahead of time what kind of experiences we want, what we're going to look like, uh, what kind of um, environments we choose to be born into. I, I like to watch people talk about their near-death experiences. That's what I do in my free time. Uh, and so the consistent thing that they learn is when they go into this uh, you know, liminal space between heaven and earth, I should say, um, the consistent thing that I hear is you even choose your parents. You choose the family you're born into. Mm-hmm. So you chose all that. You chose to be um, 
born around the same time as someone else and had kind of have a somewhat similar life. You chose to have really challenging parents. You chose to have really amazing parents, right? Um, so I think sometimes when I say this, people interpret me as saying, pull yourselves up from your bootstraps. Uh, it's not what I'm really saying. What I'm saying is you did choose it at an ultimate level. And anything negative that might have happened to you or traumatic that happened to you as a kid, it is not your fault. You know, like, no, I'm not blaming anything horrible like that on children. But it is because you're an adult now. It is your responsibility to heal from it. You got a choice. You can either do it or not. So no judgment either way. Uh, but if you choose not to heal from it, I don't know, you're making your life very difficult. <laughs> so you're always going to probably have the lowest expression of what your chart is giving. Because at the end of the day, the chart is your roadmap. It's a neutral evaluation tool. So you can either have the highest expressions or the lowest expressions. Because we are humans and we have free will. Mm. That's so, how it is. Yeah. So I, I agree um, with you, with all of everything um, that you just shared, you know, that, that resonates with me uh, really deeply that, you know, we all, we all have challenging experiences, um, especially growing up, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. it's even people who, um, you know, I mean, I, I had a very, a very challenging childhood. Um, I'm a very, very sensitive person and mm -hmm. I was a very sensitive child. Um, and yeah, the environment that I grew up in was not conducive to mm -hmm. the, the, my level of sensitivity. I have had friends and acquaintances who say that, you know, my parents were amazing. I grew up in this, you know, idyllic, um, environment and I still was, you know, I, did X, Y, and Z, right? Like that was, mm. they, they created other drama for themselves as children. Um, and I, I really do believe that even our traumatic experiences are, like you said, it's, you know, it's, we get to choose how long we hold on to it, how mm -hmm. long, you know, it takes us to look at it and not in a way I like that you brought in the fact that it's not like we are not blaming. Mm -hmm. We're not blaming children for the experiences that they're having. We're not blaming, um, you know, no, no victim blaming consciousness um, here at all. But if you continue to allow yourself to be victimized long past when the trauma mm -hmm. happened, that's where, you know, that, you keep playing it and playing it and playing it and continuing to re-victimize yourself over right. and over again when you have, you know, when you're an adult, when you're through the trauma itself, that's when you have the choice to um, step out of victim consciousness. Right. And so, so with that, and I'll also add this as well. We like to do some more ands. Um, yeah. So of course, deal with it, be an adult, uh, utilize your traumas as your greatest teacher. Now, are there not societal systems in place that are not really designed that great for most people? Yes. Are there societal issues and problems we have to deal with collectively? Everybody's got to be involved. Yes, 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 yes. But if you're too busy being a victim, well, what was me? Okay, great. You're really helping people. Like, come on. Versus, hey, I'm going to work on myself. I'm going to be kind to myself as I heal. And I don't want this to happen to other people. I'm going to make the impact that I can, however I see fit, however I can. And that's the thing. We're not out here all trying to do the same thing. Uh, the 
our different levels of desires for dealing with different social problems is how we come together as a super awesome quilt, as you could say, or a collective that we're working together as a team. Because the biggest challenge of being on this planet as well is that we believe we are separate from source or the universe when really we are all one, right? So I heard um, from a class I took with the, uh, the Earth Oracle, yes, we are all one, but we are each unique expressions of the one. So therefore, we should work together. And if we tear each other down, talking about how you have more privilege than me or vice versa, blah, 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 and that's all we're, that's all the discourse is, we're not, we're not really living again at our highest expression. And every human being, no matter what, has the ability to reach their highest expression. Mm. Oh, I love that. I, I really, I, I fully believe what you said as well with the, you know, the societal conditions that do exist right now. And there, there are things in mm -hmm. systems that need to change. And I feel like, you know, we talked about the outer planets and things like, like those show yep. us, right? Like that's, that's part of what that shows us is, Hey, these systems are not working. And I think we're in a, a time right now um, where we are seeing very clearly some of the very oppressive systems that do not work for everyone. And so this is a this is a time for us to come into okay, how how do I heal myself so that mm -hmm. I can help heal the piece of I love that the piece of the quilt um mm -hmm. that I meant to help with. Right? Rather than yeah, like stay stay in, inside, stay, you know, victimized um mm -hmm. and just be be unwilling to heal yourself because when we heal ourselves is when we are, are creating the space to allow others to heal as well. Exactly. That's, that's how I see it. Anyway, you're like, yeah, like when you, when you take care of yourself in a way that, you know, lifts, again, not lifting you up by your bootstraps. I do not believe in that concept at all. But when you take radical self resp responsibility, Mm-hmm that's this that's the space where you can then say okay i can do this i can trust myself i can rely on myself i can be a whole person i am whole i am i am safe all of that i trust myself you naturally start to extend that to other people as well and start to mm -hmm. trust and show an example of oh they they healed they healed through something difficult i can heal through something difficult as well That's yeah what that feels like to me be embodying the change you wish to see is the mm -hmm. thing you know so yeah. i mean i've had a lot of really horrible things happen to me my, my childhood was very psychologically stressful so i'm grateful i didn't experience homelessness i didn't go hungry but um my mother was not really the most stable person so i felt like i was in a battlefield you know when i was at home um so it was like psychologically stressful but am I going to be like, oh, that happened to me. I'm, I'm going to be a horrible mom. Like, what a what a great attitude. Or like, oh, this happened to me and I'm totally screwed. Like, okay, like, why am I here? You know? So I think that's what you need to give yourself a container to wallow. I'm all about that as well. So if anybody doesn't know, you can read a book. Uh, it's called Pussy Reclamation by Regina Thomas Hauer. She talks about the concept of swamping, which allows you to cry and scream for 15 to 30 minutes to sad music, do whatever it is you got to do. 
tie it up in a bow with a nice song at the end, you know, give yourself that container to grieve and then please go do something else. If you need to do it again, give yourself that 15 to 30 minute container. Of course, you got to contain the, the emotion that is moving through you. So again, you're mm. not shoving it down. You just have to give it a container to express. And then you also have to live your life. Mm. I wondered if we would get to that. Um, yeah. I love, uh, yeah, this is such a good book. Um, we've got all kinds of book recommendations um, <laughs> in this podcast. We'll put them in the show notes too. But yes, it is um, that I read that maybe about a year and a half ago um, and really, really found that particular concept to be super helpful when things were felt really difficult and I was, you know, feeling really like down about myself. Um, mm. My, my example uh, is that I put on ridiculous makeup. Like I just went like, <laughs> with like the palette and just was like insane. Yep. And just, and just like, I did it. And then I like was saying, I think I had like some evanescence going or you're know, like, so oh, yeah. I don't know. So just, I just totally went all in with it. And then I went, went through it and then I was laughing and I took a picture mm -hmm. of myself because I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know, just commit to being completely insane. Also, um, I just discovered yesterday the concept, the Gen Z youth are just so talented. This girl on the internet came up with the concept of taking heavy metal music and then combining it with her natural vocals to create siren core. So I guess like heavy metal for mermaids and actually it's pretty good. So respect. Uh, her name is Banshee. She came up with the birth of Venus. It's on Spotify. And there's also another one that's like, they're all caps and it says like, kill all predators. So I feel like that's like a very like, let's get it out, scream it out kind of music, you know? Beautiful. Perfect for the swamping. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. I Siren core. It's the thing now. <laughs> awesome. Well, <laughs> Melanie, I cannot express truly just how, how grateful I am to have met you. Mm -hmm. Um, both like online and in person at this point. So it's been so wonderful having this conversation with you and, and being able to introduce you to my audience as well. How can people find you and talk, you know, talk more and um, yeah, get their own, you know, start to learn more about their own process and their personal astrology for themselves, for their business, mm -hmm. all of that. Where can people reach you? Right. So um, you can find me on Instagram or LinkedIn. Um, it's at Melanie underscore Marisol. So it's M-A-R-I-S-O-L. You can also find me at MelanieMarisol.com. I have some runoff one off readings. So uh, my signature one is called the Divine Assignment Reading. Uh, it's 90 minutes. So you get lifetime access to it. Um, and if you are listening through Hannah's podcast um, and you book a reading, you get 15 extra minutes with me. So um, we discuss, you know, why are you here? Uh, what is your soul mission? What is the legacy that you're born to leave behind? Uh, and how can you actually do it? I don't like having fluffy readings. So this is a very practical, hands-on approach. Uh, and it's going to set you up for self-mastery in the event that you want to do it. Mm. Um, I also have another 90-minute reading. Um, it's called the Aligned Abundance Reading. So that is if you are trying to figure out what areas of life is the best way to channel um, abundance, stack some cash, what areas of life are going to be a little more challenging, what's going on with your money asteroids, uh, and what's going on as well with your wealth planets to include Venus and Jupiter. So again, if you sign up for a reading, you get 15 extra minutes with me. Um, and yeah, that's how people can connect with me. 
Mm, and that will all be in the show notes as well. So people can um, easily find that wherever you're listening. Just look at the show notes. And Melanie, thank you again for being here. It was such a pleasure to have you. All right. Thank you so much for having me. All right, everyone. As always, if you have any questions, um, anything that resonated with you from this episode, please reach out to either me or Melanie or both of us uh, and let us know. It's always getting your feedback, getting your questions, um, knowing what touched your heart um, or didn't, you know, what if something Mm -hmm. fired you up, you know, if you disagree, like I want to hear that too. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's have a, let's have a discussion. So cool. Thank you so much. And we will see you again next time. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening and be sure to like and subscribe. And again, if anything resonated with you from this episode, I would love to hear from you. Email me at Hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H, at expansiveceo.com and tell me about it. And if you're ready for your greatest expansion, you can find ways to work with me at expansiveceo.com and at xsquaredwealthplanning.com. That's X, the numeral two, wealthplanning.com. So until next time, remember that there is enough, you are enough, and your birthright in this lifetime is to be expansive.